Good morning. Um, well, this morning we have the privilege of hearing from one of our mission partners. Um, his name is Jonathan Sinclair Paul, um, and he has preached to us remotely, obviously, before um, many times. He's based in Bangalore, um, and he heads up an organization called Bangalore City Mission. Uh, the, place, the places where this mission serves um, is a place of incredible poverty um, and persecution. And they desire to shine God's light of, of truth, of grace, of love, to give opportunity to those who don't have anyone to help them, who can't sort of make themselves better. Uh, they, they don't have those resources available to them. He works with the poorest of the poor, um, kids who are, you know, left in rock quarries because that's where their parents work and there's nowhere else for them to go. Um, they're, they're rescued from those quarries um, and given opportunity for education to, to be able to change their lives in the community. Um, for women who also, who, who don't have um, saleable skills, um, they, they are able to upskill them um, and to give them those opportunities, so many of which we take for granted and which we might even just turn our noses up at, actually. Uh, we, we, that's how much we would take them for granted. Um, but that's what BCM seeks to do in their community. Um, so, look, as, um, as we hear from Jonathan, I just want to pray for, um, for their ministry, for the work that they're doing, um, to, to really bring God's light in, in both practical and spiritual ways. They join those two together um, into their community. So, Father, we just want to thank you that you are a God who is compassionate and kind, that, that, Lord, your heart goes out to the brokenhearted and the downtrodden, to those who, who we might not even spare a second glance toward. Lord, you care for them. And, Father, we just want to thank you so much for our brothers and sisters working in Bangalore and the surrounding um, area who are going out um, into the city and into remote places um, to find those who, um, who are lost without you and who have no hope um, and to show them what, um, what the hope is in practical ways um, and to show them the truth of your hope. Father, we want to pray, um, Lord, that you would uphold your servants there, that you would give them physical um, mental and spiritual safety, um, that you would give them confidence in your work in them and through them, that you would lift up their spirits, lift up their hearts, that they would be encouraged um, and not overwhelmed by, um, by all that there is to do in that place. Um, Father, we just want to thank you for them and we pray for all of those who have heard your word through them. Lord, we pray that your word would be pressed deeper and deeper into, into their hearts and that they would be transformed. Um, Father, we pray that they themselves would begin to live that life that you promise for eternity now. Um, Father, we, we uplift this ministry. Up, we uplift the work of Jonathan and his team to you. And we thank you so much for them. In your name, amen. Now, this morning... Um, I, so, I prepared a different sermon for this morning uh, because of technical difficulties with this video. Um, but when I received this and, and watched this last night, I thought, 
no, actually, we need to, we need to listen to this one. <laughs> um, so it, it's from the parable of the sower. Um, and so if you were here a couple of weeks ago, um, we had somebody else open up this message, this passage to us. But the word of God speaks and he shows us every time we open it up, new and different, wonderful things. So it's not really a repeat message at all, but he's looking at the same passage. So I'm going to read to us from Matthew chapter 13, uh, if you would like to open your Bibles, um, from verses 3 to 9. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Greetings to you in the most wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank you for this opportunity given to me this morning to be preaching the word of God with you. I also thank all the members of the New Life Evangelical Church in Melbourne for supporting us and continuing to support the work in Bangalore City. And for that, I'm ever grateful. And at the same time, grateful for allowing me to preach the word of God to you this morning. I've been asked to speak from the, one of the parables of Jesus from Matthew chapter 13. And so let us read from that passage from Matthew chapter 13. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they did immediately sprang up, because they had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Also continuing to read from that passage, from verse 18 onwards, therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in him, but endures only for a while. For when tribulations and persecution arises, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it 
who is indeed bear fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. When Jesus was in this world, he spoke in parables. Now these parables were amazing because it came out of the mouth of the master teacher. These were earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And these stories were only possible by Jesus who was so eloquent and so much of truth that he was speaking to these people. And it was so easy for people to understand because it made real sense to them. But this parable is a little special because in most parables when Jesus preached, he had no explanation for them. Maybe those parables were easily understood. But on this parable, Jesus explains this parable. And mostly because even the disciples could not understand because they came up to Jesus and said, what does it mean? What does this parable mean? There's another verse that is very key in this topic. And it is found in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 13. And it says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of his people have grown dull. It's a very, very powerful statement by Jesus. He says to us, though we hear, many of us do not understand. Though we see, many of us do not perceive what we have seen, mostly because our hearts have been hardened and our hearts have been calloused. When I was a young preacher, you know, I used to notice that in some Sundays, you used to get a lot of people coming to church and suddenly they would not turn up the next Sunday. Some would be happy a few weeks and then they, they would lose that joy and, and stop coming and uh, I, would, I would be really upset about what was going on. I would ask myself, why? Why is it, Lord, that I'm not able to convey the word of God to these people? Why are they not staying with us? And it was disappointing for me as a young preacher. And that is when I think this word really revealed to me about how our hearts are receptive in different ways. You know, this topic from the Bible, this parable of Jesus, actually allows us to understand our own hearts. It allows us to think and see what sort of a heart do I have. This parable allows me to analyze myself in the presence of God, in the in the. to understand our own hearts. It allows us to think and see what sort of a heart do I have. This parable allows me to analyze myself in the presence of God, in the, in the face of truth 
to find out what exactly am I? What sort of a person am I? There are three things that the word talks about over here. It talks about the sower, it talks about the seed, and it talks about the soil. Three different things have been mentioned here. And we know very clearly that the sower is God himself. We do know that the seed is the unadulterated word of God. And we know that the soil is the heart of man. Now there are two, two things here that is constant. The sower and the seed do not change. They are constant. There's only one variable in this parable, and that's the soil. And Jesus talks about the different soils that are there relating it to the heart of man. And it's time for us to analyze what sort of soil or what sort of heart do I have when it comes to following Christ. The first thing it says, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Now in his explanation, Jesus compares the birds to the devil. Now these people are people with hardened hearts. The word of God hasn't penetrated their hearts. Because I've seen in a lot of farms in India, and believe me, there are lots and lots of farms in India. My grandfather was a farmer himself. And when I visited one of these farms, I would notice that there were little paths in the middle of these farms where the farmer could go through and the livestock could go through. And I had noticed that these pathways were pretty hard. Because of constant walking up and down those pathways, they had become really hard soil. They were not like the rest of the farm. And the cattle would walk on it and the farmers would walk on it. And that soil was hard. And any seed that fell on that soil just stood there on the surface. The birds would come and pick them up. And sometimes they would just fly away. But that's exactly what happens when our hearts are calloused. When our hearts have been hardened to receiving the word of God. The word does not penetrate. And that is game day for the devil. The devil accesses your heart very easily. What if I tell you that the devil is constantly at play in your life? You know, it's hard to believe that because as Christians, most of us say, oh, I would never let the devil come near me. But the devil, my dear friends, though he is a roaring lion, he is also a sly fox. The devil is a liar. He is a lying serpent. And he is a deceiver. And he is never going to come to you in a way that you would oppose him. He would never show up to you in your dream and say, go ahead and do that, because you would not do that. The devil is very intelligent. He is very cunning and a liar that he would fool you when you don't even realize. That's why it says here, though you hear, you will not understand. How many of us are devoted religious people but never really know Christ? How many of us are churchgoers but near, never really felt the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? How many of us have get up in the morning and read our Bible religiously but never understand 
what is going on. How many times we go to church but come back so empty inside. Why do you think that happens? The devil is a deceiver. Remember, if the devil cannot enter through the front door of reasoning, he would come through the back door of imagination. He is a deceiver. He is a sly person. He gets you to believe that you are in the right place. And as long as you believe that you are a, a, a Christian, you're a follower of Christ, he is happy because he knows that this guy is more interested in his worldly affairs. Recently, somebody told me, I'm so happy, sir, he said, that the whole world celebrates Christmas. It's not so with other religions, but the whole world celebrates our, our festival. The whole world celebrates Christmas. And I went back and gave it a thought and said, why, why does the whole world celebrate Christmas? It was so clear to me, the understanding was that the whole world celebrates Christmas because we have systematically taken Christ out of Christmas. I have read recently in a, in a, in a newsletter that said, Santa Claus was more famous than Jesus ever was. Could you believe that? Many people in India know Santa Claus and very few know Jesus himself. And I was surprised that in churches, singing songs like jingle bells and, and, and trinklets and bells and wreaths and all of those different celebrations that come into celebration of Christmas that has made it so worldly that Christ is missing. It, Christ is there within the hearts of true believers, but the rest of the world. And as long as that happens, Satan is very happy for the whole world to be celebrating Christmas. Satan is a deceiver, my friends. If you are sitting and thinking that you are a proper believer, you have to check your heart. Is your heart hardened and calloused? Are the things that you do very easy for you to do them? And if, you, and if, if it is so, your heart has been calloused. The second thing that the Bible talks about is some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth but when the sun was up they were scorched and because they had no roots they withered away the second seed fell on shallow ground rocks sometimes have a little bit of earth on it where the seed just about begins to germinate and because the roots cannot go inside and when the sun comes down they are scorched they are not able to grow into what they were supposed to be the roots my dear friends are important where you take root where you are encamping what is your circle of friendship where are you is your heart like the hardened uh, rock where there's just a little bit of moisture, a little bit of, um, you know, uh, softness, but, but the seed never really enters. Many of us sometimes feel that way. You know, when the sufferings of this world come, when the problems of this world arise, we are happy for a while, but then that vanishes. You know, many times I notice that you know, a lot of people go to church and go to Christ for selfish reasons. 
They go for their own personal gains. They want to, you know, some of them say, I'm going to, the, I'm going to church because I will get healing from the church. Some people have a selfish motive of when they go to church, they get benefits from the church. Like in India, you, you're part of a big church and uh, because you're part of the church, your children can get admission in a certain college and, and uh, schooling from a certain school just because you're part of the church. So everybody wants to be part of that church. And sometimes the, a lot of people go to a church because um, they receive a good word. The pastor there has delivered a wonderful word. You know how often you go out to a pastor and say, Pastor, the word has really worked in me today. I felt really touched by the word today. This is exactly what I want to hear today. You know how often we say that. How often we say that. But that word really didn't touch us. Because Monday morning, we realize that we are doing the exact same thing. We are not motivated by the word. We are like the heart compared to the rock. Where we are excited for a little moment, but the things of this world, the passions of this world, have scorched us. That little bit of excitement has vanished. How often have you seen in church that a member is there and he's excited to be there and that excitement quickly vanishes. And this is because, this is because the word did not dwell in that person for too long. Next we see, and some fell among the thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. The thorns sprang up and choked them. When I was a little lad, and we did a lot of gardening near the house, I remember what my father used to tell me. He said, before I planted the seed, he said, weed out the thorns. Take the weeds out. Because if the weeds remain, they will eat the nutrients that is required for the seed, and also will choke your plant at it is, as it is growing. The thorns, my dear friends, is so common to each and every one of our lives. Because when we live our lives, we allow, we are able to grow but the things of this world. The things of this world that is constantly around us is not allowing us to be what we are supposed to be. That purpose that God had in place for us. In Jeremiah, he says, I have good thoughts for you, a good purpose for you, to flourish, to prosper. But that doesn't get fulfilled because of the thorns around us. You know, when the, the moment we are out of church, we are already looking at our watches, what time is the pastor going to finish this sermon? How fast are we able to get out and get on to our work? Some of you are thinking, what plans for lunch this day how many of my family members are we going to have with us some of us are thinking about the meeting that we are supposed to have monday morning the money that we are supposed to be earning the the wealth that we are supposed to be making the pressures of our families how am i going to care for my children brokenness that's arising from everywhere you know the the the, the pressures of this world the pressures of our problems and persecution the bible says when persecution comes, you are choked. Recently, I remember a phone call that I received. 
It was from a young lad who many years ago, his father, who had just become a Christian, said to me that, can you name this son of mine? And I had given him a biblical name, and I don't want to mention that name. And I had given him that name, and he grew up, and it was time for him to go find work. But as you know, in India, being a Christian, you're in the midst of persecution. We struggle each day to preach the word of God. We struggle to live as believers in this country. And this young lad went up to work, and as he had applied, the employer looked at his name, and it was a biblical name. And he said to this young man, you are a Christian, and therefore, I will not allow you to work in my company. We do not allow Christians to work in this company. This young person was so disappointed. He had called me and he said to me, Pastor, is there any way that I can change my name? The moment persecution arised, he was ready to give up what he had lived for. The blessings that were coming his way, he was getting ready to throw it away. And that is what happens to us sometimes. And if, if that is happening to you, if the things of this world are able to get the better of you, are you able to live a Christian life in the midst of your friends? Are you able to say boldly that you believe in the name of Jesus in the midst of your employees and your colleagues? Are you able to live each day like Christ as the Bible says? Become each day like Christ? Are we able to do that? We often find that it is impossible. Many a times it is, we look into ourselves and we feel that emptiness inside of us. We do not, we do not feel the, the power of God working in us anymore. We feel empty. We walk, we are in church every day. We worship regularly. We hear the word of God. But we feel that there is something that's missing in our lives. Because the things of this world are overpowering you. The things of this world are taking over you that you don't realize that you are missing out and your heart is being calloused. Your heart is in the wrong place. The word of God is falling on thorny ground that it is choking your body. And finally, the word of God talks about good ground. The seed that fell on good ground. My dear friends, I heard this very beautiful passage from the book of Daniel, chapter 6. It's a very, very special topic to me because I am completely astonished by the reaction of Daniel, this man of God, and what happened to him at this point. Now, the order had been signed by the prime minister of that day that Daniel should be put into the lion's den. And even after the order had been signed, the word says here that now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room, with his window open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. As was his custom 
since early days. When this man knew that he was going to be put into the lion's den, if it was me, I would have been thinking about how that lion would tear my body apart, how that lion would eat my flesh bit by bit. That would have been playing on my mind and I would not have slept for days and I would have suffered in my soul. But this man, Daniel, when he knew that the edict was signed for his killing in a very atrocious way by putting him into the lion's den, he walks home as usual. He opens his window towards Jerusalem as usual. He kneels down and prays three times a day as usual. And it says here that he gave thanks. Now this is the kind of person that the Lord is looking for. You know the tendency that we have is when we are all comfortable and we are financially strong and our families are doing well, we hardly ever look to heaven. We hardly ever say to God that, Lord, we hardly ever pray, we hardly ever worship truly. But the moment we are encountered by problems, we are, oh God, save me. Oh Lord, this and oh Lord, that. And we are all over the place. But Daniel was not like that. He was like every day kneeling down and praying. Every day he was doing the things as usual. He walked with God. He talked with God. And that is the kind of people that the Lord is looking for. But when the Lord says, the good soil, the good soil, oh my dear friends, have you seen the good soil that the farmer has prepared? The soil is so beautiful. I've walked these fields when the plowing has been done. It is soft like sponge. In India, you have these bullock, these huge oxen pulling these uh, nails through the ground. And the farmer goes up and down and many times back and forth until that soil is so soft that it almost feels like sponge. And that's the kind of soil that is required for the seed to germinate. That's the kind of heart, a softened heart, is what it takes for the seed to sprout the word of God to work in you. The word of God cannot enter into your heart that is hardened. It needs a soft heart for that heart to work. It needs a soft heart for that seed to go in, and when it does, you bear fruit hundredfold, 60-fold and 30-fold. That is the person that bears fruit. That is the person that lives up to what God wants him to be. That is the person that walks with God daily is the person that God uses for his purpose. You're wondering, why is it, Lord, that I feel empty? Why is it that I'm not fulfilling my purpose in Christ? It is because your heart is not softened. But my dear friends, it would be unjust for me to stop with this parable. Because the word teaches in another place that I have to connect with this topic on how the, 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 the fruit 
has to be born. Because if you are a believer, if you are of Christ, you have to bear fruit. You cannot say, oh, my heart is hardened, but I will make it. My heart is among the thorns, and I will make it. It's not possible. If you look at Luke chapter 13, verse 6 onwards, it says that Jesus is saying, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if it not, after that you can cut it down. Here God comes and looks at the trees that are not bearing fruit. All those pathways, all those thorny bushes, and all those rocks will be cut down. There's no other option than to bear fruit. But how does a hardened person be able to get a softened heart, my dear friends? How does that heart that is like a rock become like the good soil? How does that heart that is amongst the thorny bushes become like good soil? It's very clear here where Jesus says, you have to dig it and you have to dung it. You have to dig it and then you have to add fertilizer to it. My dear friends, look at the process of digging. The whole world around you must change. When the farmer digs around the plant, the plant thinks everything, his whole environment is changing. There's nothing left and he's confused as to what's happening around him. And then the farmer dumps fertilizer and if you have seen fertilizer, especially the manure that you get in, in our country, it's not good smelling. It's horrible. It's repulsive. Similar to our lives. God takes the stink of your own life, the filth in your marriages, the filth in your friendships, the filth in your wickedness, in the wrong thoughts that we entertain in our minds over and over again. And he is going to use the same filth to fertilize you. When Jesus walked into Lazarus' house after Lazarus had died, Martha looked at Jesus and says, Jesus, if you had only been here four days before, Lazarus would have lived. But by now his body is stinking. Well, Jesus used that stench of death to prove that he was the son of the living God. Jesus, God uses the filth of your own life the problems that you face, the problems that you encounter to soften your hearts. Don't worry when you're faced with difficulties. Do not worry when you're faced with problems in your life. Because God uses these very problems to soften your hearts, to bring about compassion. How many of us live a selfish life? How many of us are so worried just about ourselves? But when God brings about a soft heart, 
you begin to think about your neighbor. You begin to think about those suffering in another impoverished country in a distant land. You begin to feel the pain of others. If you do not feel the, the pain that your brother is going through, you have a hardened heart, my dear friends. Let us pray that God blesses us with a heart of gold and softens our heart so that the word, the rich nutrients of the word of God will enter into your lives. I pray this day that the Lord blesses each one of you. And as we go through this new year, I pray that the Lord allows us and speaks to us and challenges us and our own hearts on what sort of heart do I have? What sort of a heart do you have? This is a beautiful passage where Jesus really tells us about examining our own hearts as to why am I not blessed? Why am I not able to receive that word, that rich word of God that is supposed to pierce my heart? Why isn't it doing the things that it has to do? And if you feel that way, it's time that you examine your own heart. You find out which part, which kind of soil do you fit into. But then you allow the gardener to dig you and to dung you. You allow the gardener to work that soil around you. And he uses the problems of your own life to do that. He uses the problems of your own life to, to be able to change the things around you. And I pray that all of us would have the heart of that.